right, welcome to a new location. Welcome to Iowa, where we've gathered at my in-laws for Thanksgiving. They'd be horrified if they knew I was filming this from their office, but if you look at the stuff on the wall behind me, you'll see why this is the perfect place to be filming this in just a minute. But uh, thanks to Leslie and Greg, who are reading for us, they'll alternate. Um, and here we go, we're gonna walk through the church year. Okay, so who are my baseball people? So you can tell this is the office of a baseball person who's counting down the days until pitchers and catchers report. 80 more days, by the way, as of Thursday, November 23rd, when we're filming this part of the service, uh, just in case you were wondering. So the baseball season, or most sports seasons really, um, they make kind of a perfect metaphor um, for understanding the seasons of our church year. So think about baseball for a minute. Baseball season starts with the season of preparation that we call spring training. Um, and then we get to the big high holy day of opening day, practically a state holiday in Wisconsin. It was my first ever tailgate, my first spring in Wisconsin. And after opening day, you have this long regular season, 162 games, six months. Um, then you get the exciting postseason, which culminates in the World Series Championship, and then we're back to our countdown until pitchers and catchers report again. Um, so that's essentially the same as the rhythm of our church year, because our church year all centers around our two biggest holidays, which are, of course, Christmas and Easter, and each of those holidays has a season of preparation before it and a season of celebration after it. So Advent, which we'll start the following week, um, Advent gets us ready for Christmas holiday and the season of Christmas and Epiphany that follows it. And then Lent gets us ready for Holy Week and Easter and then the Easter season that follows it. And in between those two peaks, um, we have these two troughs that we kind of call, we call them ordinary time. It's from ordinal numbers, but they also are just ordinary, right? And so as we walk through all of these seasons in the two peaks of our church year, it's like we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So we focus on a different gospel each year. Um, this one we've been doing Matthew. When we start the new year next week, we'll start move to Mark. Um, and so we read through that gospel kind of following Jesus from his birth in the manger to his death on the cross to the resurrection no one saw coming. That's the first six months of the church year. And then that six-month stretch after Pentecost that we're finishing now, um, that's when we figure out how the story of Jesus can be not just a story we tell, but a story we live. And all of that comes to a climax today. Christ the King weekend, the final week of our church year. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to walk through the seasons of the church year. And for each season, we'll have a reading, a reflection, and a verse from a song. And, and as you hear all of it, the question to be asking is, how can the life of Jesus be a pattern for my own life. So that's what we're thinking about as we finish this year and get ready to turn our eyes again to the baby in Bethlehem. Advent, a time to wait. The first reading is from Luke chapter one, verses 68 to 69 and 76 to 79. This reading is from the lullaby Zechariah sings to his new baby, John the Baptist, about the hope first John and then Jesus will bring to their people. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sin. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The word of the Lord. Advent, a time to wait. Advent is a time to wait. Uh, it's a time to be honest about the gap between how things are and how things should be. It's a time to acknowledge our longings, like all the prayers we're still waiting for God to answer, all the dreams that haven't come true yet. And so as the days are getting shorter around us, it is, is a dark time, but not in a bad way. And it makes me think of May Sarton's prayer, um, help us be ever faithful gardeners of the spirit who know that without darkness, nothing comes to birth. As without light, nothing flowers. So Advent's a time of great hope because as the people of God we know, the light of the world is on the way. So with great hope we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christmas, a time to rejoice. This reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. The angels announce it, the shepherds hear it, and all are blessed by it. Good news of great joy, Christ is born. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. The word of the Lord. Christmas, our time to rejoice. Christmas is pure celebration mode, right? And it's a celebration of love, primarily of God's love for us. And when we talk about that, we are talking about a love that is so big, God couldn't stay away. So love that's so big, it like overflows the heavens, is made manifest within the rapidly dividing cells of a pregnant peasant girl named Mary. It's a love so big that God like literally puts on human skin, moves right into our neighborhood to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ. So... A love so big, heaven can't contain it. And a light so bright, no darkness can overcome it. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. So, it's of that great light and love we sing. Love has come. Love has come, a light in the darkness. Love shines forth in the 
epiphany and ordinary time, a time to reflect and respond. So the good news of great joy, that is Christ's birth, way too big to be contained to a single day. So we spend the two-week season of Christmas celebrating it, the season of epiphany trying to make sense of it, and that first stretch of ordinary time trying to live into it before we turn our attention to Lent and Easter. Lent, a time to return. The third reading is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. As Luke tells it, Jesus' earthly ministry starts as it ends, with Jesus being tested. Use your power to save yourself. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. The Word of the Lord. Here's Lent, a time to return. Lent means different things to different people, um, but at its core, it's, it's a time to return. Um, like return to the best version of ourselves, return to the God who made us and loves us. Um, because life happens, right? And sometimes in faith life, we get a little off track. We lose track of what's important. So each year we set aside these 40 days of Lent to kind of step back and come back, be a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more intentional. And usually we do this through some kind of discipline, right? Either giving something up or taking something on. And we do this not as a punishment because it heals something inside of us. It, it helps us reset something sacred inside of us. So in the world, as spring slowly starts to show signs of new life all around, so do we. children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Oh, Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us grace. Easter, a time to rise. And this reading is from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 5. When God gets involved, death is not the end, but just a new beginning, as the women who follow Jesus are about to find out when they go to his tomb to anoint his body. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. The word of the Lord. Easter, a time to rise. Easter is what it's all about. It is the central metaphor of our faith, right? Death and rebirth. It is the promise to a hurting world um, and a hurting people that even though you're suffering right now, you will not suffer alone, 
You will not suffer forever and you will not suffer in vain because our God is in the business of making all things new. And this God comes to us in whatever graves we find ourselves in, pulls us up out of there, breathes new life into us. So Easter's our promise that no matter how unlikely it looks right now, forces of death never have the last word. In the end, God wins, life wins, love wins. And though in this life we stumble and fall, through Christ we rise again. And that is good news worth celebrating. Now all the vault of heaven resounds. an ordinary time, a time to reflect and respond. So again, the good news of like triumph of life over death, way too big to be contained to a single day. So we spend this entire seven week season of Easter celebrating it. And then a full six months of Pentecost trying to figure out how to live into it. Um, no small task. And that all culminates today. Christ the King weekend. Here's the scripture for today. Christ the King. A time to reorient. The Gospel is from John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. After he is arrested and before he is crucified, Jesus is on trial before Pilate, the Roman-installed governor of Judea. The charge is treason against the Roman Empire, who ruled the area at the time. As always, Jesus refused to give straight answers and points Pilate and us to something bigger. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jewish person, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of the Lord. Christ the King, a time to reorient. So after all that, we get this week, this day, to look back on the church year and all we've learned and done and commit to making it part of us. So think for a minute about everything we've heard even today. You guys, this is why I am a Christian. Because these stories, they've changed my life. They help me make sense of the world around me. They give me words for what I already know is true but didn't quite know how to explain or put words to. 
and these stories of the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus, this is the foundation of our faith, not because they happened, because they happen. We see this lived out in the world all around us all the time. Because I long for things to be different than they are. And then I see God show up in my longing, and that's Advent. Because I see these sacred moments that can only be God, and they happen on ordinary days in times and places we would never expect. God just shows up out of nowhere and knocks our socks off, and that's Christmas. Because I've seen the most beautiful changes and transformations and renewals, and they happen in people's lives, and they always happen on the other side of grief or loss or suffering and not like in spite of those hardships, but because of it. And that's Lent. Because I've seen people who live with great courage and die with great peace because they trust that this life isn't all there is. And because I want desperately to believe that there's hope and that I'm not finished and this world is not finished and that somehow the ending's gonna be a good one and that's Easter. And that's why I'm a Christian. Because this is what our story is about. And our church year, that's what that's about. The Christ the King weekend. Because it's the time when we've, you know, we've walked with Jesus the whole way through. And so now, if we're ready, we say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. There's a God and I'm not it. So God, please take me out of the center of my own universe and put Jesus there instead. Um, because I want to be part of this story, this larger story, the story that God is writing. You know what? God always was a much better writer than me. Anyways, happy Christ the King weekend, friends. Amen.